Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual. Talking with Shadows, the conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Whaley. And Mark S.D. Uh, Mark S.D. And joining us in the studio today, we have Andrew, CJ, and Jeremy from the Infinite Rabbit Hole Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. I was so excited when you guys told me that you guys could come on to the podcast. I found these guys on our uh, on a joint podcast group on Facebook that we have. And I, I was anytime you're on any of those groups, the vast majority of them all tend to be inspirational, you know, like <laughs> self-help podcasts. And then I see Jeremy make this post about black eyed kids. And I'm like, Oh, that's my kind of guy right oh, that, there. That's that's just our jam. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, finally a podcast I can listen to. And, and let's be so fair I, about it. it. Let's be fair about it. You found Jeremy, and I just follow him like a lost puppy. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so cool. And I, was, and I started listening to your podcast, and I was like super, super impressed with some of the content that was in there. And I'm like, I got to have these guys. I got to have these guys on our podcast. These are the kind of guys that our listeners need to hear. They're like us. You guys really, you you take a topic and you break it down into all its really interesting pieces. And then you talk about stuff that other people are not talking about. And I was super, super impressed. Right now, I'm pretty much like the Leo DiCaprio for Growing Pains. I just started the season. Just brand new. But I feel like... Uh... I should be able to be part of that group too. <laughs> <laughs> so good job, Andrew. Yeah, good job, Andrew. <laughs> so um, I would absolutely love for you guys to tell our listeners a little bit more about our podcast, like how you guys got started, what you guys talk about. Like, if our listeners go over to your guys' podcast, what are they going to hear when they go over there? Well, I'm going to take this one if you guys don't mind. So I am one of one of two original hosts of the Infinite Rabbit Hole podcast. It was started by me and my buddy Jake. Both of us are active duty Navy as of right now. I will be getting out soon, so we're swapping over to a veteran status. But basically what happened was Jake and I sat down one day. We were playing a video game called Ark, and he asked me about my uh, gamer tag, which is Woodbooger. Now, you know, I told him this is what the people in the, the Appalachian states call a Bigfoot. He said, "He said you don't believe in that, do you? I was like, yeah, absolutely, I do. And, uh, you know, I, I continued to tell him a little bit about my experience that I had when I was 12 years old with a Bigfoot. And he was kind of blown away by it. And we kind of got into talking about cryptids and everything. And then he started talking to me about paranormal stuff. And sooner or later, we found out that we had, you know, a, a similar interest in the unknown so i've always wanted to do something with cryptozoology because that's my passion i love cryptids urban legends myth lore um anything kind of surrounding a a creature is is where my heart is so 
when we built Infinite Rabbit Hole, I became the the cryptid guy, and my buddy Jake, who is a very devout Christian, became the guy who can take Christianity and look at it through a lens of you know of Christianity. And sooner or later, we ended up adding a few parts. We added my buddy Wes, also who was from the Navy, a good friend from a squadron that I used to work at. And he was very into science and technology. So he brought another viewpoint of science and technology. And sooner or later, we became known or, you know, we described ourselves as a podcast that looked at the unknown through the eyes of many different points of view. So when you listen to our podcast, you're not going to get just somebody that believes in cryptids. You're not going to get somebody that is full heartedly a believer in, in the ghost or spirit realm. You're going to get points of views from everybody. And that's what we really like to do sooner or later. Um, my buddy Jake ended up, you know, throwing in a towel and, uh, he moved over to California and moved closer to family and he wants to start a family of his own. So he's like, Hey, I just don't have time for this. So I filled it up with a good friend that I made through networking on in podcast, uh, CJ, who was at the time, one of the hosts of the crypto technical podcast, him and Andrew and their buddy, Ninja Chris, uh, ran a podcast called crypto technical. And basically, well, actually, you know what? I don't, I don't even know why I'm talking. I'll just let CJ and Andrew tell you that part. Well, um, crypto technical was a, a pretty, e- Un- uneventful uh, birth. Uh, I like podcasting. Andrew likes cryptids, and I wanted to hang out with Andrew, so we started a podcast, and then just kind of included my roommate. And that- that's kind of how that went. Andrew, is it not, not too far off? No, yeah, because we Un- uneventful. We were uh, talking about doing a podcast, um, and I kind of he's like, yeah, but it's hard to get a a type out there and i'm just like well do anybody talk about cryptids like because it was i think it was right around uh february (laughs) or something that or we were talking about like leprechauns and other things like that of march uh Mm -hmm. and cj has a big background uh of the occult which is something that he brings into um the current podcast uh, but me at at heart, I've always been. I grew up in uh, a very religious household, but it, we've always been skeptics, and I've always had like that nature to me of questioning everything. Right. So nice vegan burp, by the way. Uh, the so like that, I I became or I will be becoming the skeptic of this group, the new one. <clears throat> Yeah, so that's kind of the basis of the infinite rabbit hole. We take these really, really deep topics, and the cast, we kind of do a revolving um, choice of topics. So CJ's been coming up with a lot of a lot of the topics as of recently because he's the new guy. Uh, my choice has been diluting the podcast because we do, we've done a lot of legends. We've done a lot of lore, a lot of cryptids. And uh, when Wes came on board, our science and technology guy, we kind of we talked about space a little bit, some physics, uh, multiple dimensions, all that other good stuff. And as we bring in uh, these these new cast members, such as Andrew, we're going to start diving into some of Andrew's tastes, and we're going to dissect it through our, our all of our points of views. And that's basically how or what the infinite rabbit hole is. 
We are just a podcast that takes strange topics, dissects them down uh, by the viewpoints of many different people with many different loves and that's pretty much it. I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. <laughs> you know, you said that your uh, your online ha- handle was uh, Woodbooger. Do, do you know where that yeah. word comes from? Uh, actually, well, I don't know. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I'm answering it, to, you know, as you want. But I, what I know about the the the, the term booger is that it it was a a term that was given to the creature of the woods in the Appalachian area and was actually uh, the birth of the term boogeyman. Um, and, you know, people would use the, the wood booger as an excuse to have the kids come in at night and say, if you, if you stay out late, the booger will get you. And as soon as you've evolved into the boogeyman will get you. Oh yeah. And all, the, all that's true, but both uh, booger and boogeyman, they, uh, they were taken from the word boggart from like the English area. And before that, I believe it was a word borrowed from the Scandinavians bugbear, which was a hobgoblin like a uh, like creature of their mythology. So <laughs> that word's jumped several different countries and has evolved a lot over the years. I thought wood booger was what you call a booger once it like gets all dried and crusty on your armchair. Uh, yeah, that, that's <laughs> true too. That, that is also true. Why is it on? Well, good. I, I learned a lot. Why is it on your armchair? <laughs> do, you, do you have like a three-year-old in the house? Well, it's like no. It's like under the armchair, man. I keep it classy, you know. Like I can't let my wife find it and all that. So are we pulling out the beer now? I am pulling out the beer. So today I am going to be drinking Petrus Aged Red. Okay, I got a bit of, sto- of a story behind my beer today. Um, one of me and my neighbors across the street trade beers periodically when we see each other kind of walking by or loading the car or something. So when I was loading the car to go for Easter, uh, they walk up and like, Hey, I got this beer for you. It's a sour. I know you like sours and it's victory sour monkey. And I'm really excited to try it. Wait. Also, it's great having neighbors that'll trade beers with you. Wait, is this your neighbor that looks like he has like a meth lab compound? Like the, the No, no, no. Like- this is, this is the cool neighbor. That's like right across. Oh, the like. I assume, based on the tools he has, he's some form of handyman or something like that. Like, I remember one day, I'm chopping down, uh, I had a tree growing through the concrete in my, uh, like, outside my house, and I was out there with a hatchet just slowly just kind of hacking this thing down. He's like, hey, you want this to go faster? I'm like, yeah. He just pulls out a sawzall and walks over, and it's done in, like, three seconds. Uh, can, yeah. I, can I make Are you guys a- drinking anything? I am drinking Key Lime Pie Bang Energy Drink. I'm, I'm drinking water out of a Sierra Mist bottle, so I don't have to feel like I'm drinking water. Okay. I wasn't sure if uh, I wasn't sure if Mario was going to get his beer open. I was struggling with that. I, I thought this was, you know, at first I really thought this was a wine. Now it's a beer. Okay. Can I make a beer suggestion for you guys for your next episode? Oh, yes, please. please make a beer suggestion. Bat Squatch. <gasps> Actually, didn't we didn't we drink Bat Squatch when we did the Bat Squatch episode? Bat Squatch when we did the Bat Squatch episode. Yeah, dude, I loved Bat Squatch. It was great. Rogue, so Rogue Brewing Company is such a great brewing company. Also, anything that's like an IPA, they always have the coolest, cleverest names. Yeah. That um, they all taste like stale pee, except for Bat Squatch, which is the holy grail mother's milk of beer. 
we had somebody asking us where they could get bad squatch because they couldn't get it in their area. I felt so bad for them. Oh, you can they, order it off Rogue, the website. Yeah, off the website. Rogue's website. Rogue Brewing Company. They're based out mm-hmm. of Ohio. Um, I don't know how we got them here in, um, when I found them in Pennsylvania, but uh, basically, yeah, they're yeah, just you having can order grocery the grocery store here. Yeah. This is so good. Oh, so good. I highly recommend Batsquatch for anybody that's out there that's listening for beer recommendations. And I'm going to recommend this Victory Sour Monkey. If you at all like sour beers, this is really flipping good. All right. You know, if you guys want, Cryptid Technical is still active, and we did a beer review episode with our Patreon money. Oh, Oh, cool. Oh, that is awesome. (laughs) Our one Patreon. Shout out to our one Patreon. Thank you. You bought us beer for an afternoon, got us really hammed. By the end of that episode, we were sloppy. Oh, dude, it is absolute so much fun to drink and talk about cryptids. Yeah, it was my. It is one. It was definitely my fault because I got a six pack, and CJ was under the impression that we were gonna split a beer. I'm like, no, no, no. Here's a full can, and we did like multiple beers. In like rapid succession. I don't know, Stay like, away from Fog Monster. Do not drink Fog Monster. Yeah, that was bad. Oh, and dra- Dragon's Milk. Dragon's, Dragon's Milk is good. You like Dragon's Milk? I wasn't a fan. Yeah. Oh yeah, I I don't get it because I think it's good, but it's not good enough to merit its price tag. Yeah. But I I did like it. Well, I think if you're trying to do a paranormal podcast where you also like review alcohol like 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 a lot of like what we do it's super like you're gonna be drinking a lot of ipas <laughs> if you want some of those like really funny like monster names i think i think the dragon's milk is what put me over the edge and like i started breaking out praying mantises and putting them on the microphones and stuff and <laughs> <laughs> hear the sounds of nature all right guys so this month we are kicking off a whole new month where we're talking about paranormal projects the government has done it could be our government could be other countries governments i'm so super excited that our patrons picked this because this is my bread and butter this is the stuff that i love to delve into and then i stay up late annoying my wife and i'm gonna lip my way through this month because i'm a little in the deep end for my general area oh man it's so much fun and then i reached out to these guys and we decided what would be really cool is to do a discussion on the movie The Men Who Stare at Goats and how accurate that movie was compared to, say, MK Ultra and Project Stargate or anything generally referenced by that movie. So I would love to... What was your guys'... And if you guys have never seen the movie, by the way, Men Who Stare at Goats, it's absolutely fantastic. It's got Ewan McGregor, Jeff Bridges in it, George Clooney. You, you, It's great. It's a fantastic movie that that I would recommend that anybody to go out and I would watch. It follows generally Ewan McGregor, who's an investigative journalist who goes out to investigate these reports of uh, a guy that's a remote viewer and it leads them on this awesome journey discovering all of the the weird psych stuff that the government got involved in, like in the seventies. What what was your guys' impression of the movie? I think fantastic uh, was a generous word. I agree. No, it definitely, uh, I felt that uh, I watched it when I was tired, and that's normally my general idea of 
if a movie is going to be good or not, if I can stay awake from it. Uh, and uh, it was something that definitely kept me entertained to not not off, I guess. So I think I made the mistake of doing all of the research into MK Ultra and Project Stargate after I watched the movie. And <laughs> I used a, I used the movie as a like a buffer into the actual information. And I should have done it vice versa, because now that I've done the research into these wild programs that the, the government was doing, I, I, I see why the movie was good. You know what I'm saying? But if I when I didn't know all this information or I didn't have as as deep as information as I do now and I just knew the stuff that was on the surface. I'm not going to lie to you. I was not a huge fan. Well, it probably just seemed like a jumble of nonsense. Well, like, yeah, I remember- but I mean, it. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Well, it had these moments in it that were hilarious. Uh, the cast was really good. I liked the cast. I actually grew to love the cast. Um, the story was interesting, like just being a fan of all that science fictional stuff uh, and being it government involved was really, really interesting. I just... I don't know. I was at the point where at the end of the movie, I looked at it and I was like, yeah, I don't think I'll ever pick this back up and rewatch it. (laughs) Like I remember watching this movie and sitting there, like understanding a lot, like where like Ewan McGregor is coming from in the movie. Cause he really speaks as like this lay person that really does not understand the amount of effort and the amount of money that was put in by the United States government to investigate psychic phenomenon. It is staggering. The hundreds of millions of dollars the United States government invested to see if psychic, like if psychics could be used from a military aspect. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Project Stargate alone, which is basically the, the concept that the, the, the movie revolves around is a very, very interesting subject. It, it tied in a lot of uh, pseudosciences and paranormal uh, into military aspects, basically searching for intelligence through uh, psychic means. That was very, very intriguing. And to, to learn that the government was spending millions, like you said, millions of time, but millions of dollars, especially back in the time period that they were doing this, you know, between the forties and the nineties was like the, 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 the year group when all of this was being done, uh, mostly from the seventies to the nineties, but you know, back into the forties. Um, and to see that they were spending that much money during that time period where inflation, you know, wasn't as high as it is now and still seeing figures in the millions of dollars. This was something that was really important. And I'm just sitting there going, where were these jobs in career day? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so let me ask you guys this. Do you think it was worth it? Or was this a big boondoggle? I, uh, well, my, my, my feelings towards that movie were like when you're a kid and you get excited because you're going to be in the school play and then it turns out you're going to be the tree. <laughs> I like and, that. Yeah, and because – my, my fascination with the movie itself was due to that experiment where they really did sit soldiers down and other people and try to get them to stop a goat's heart with their minds. 
and being as involved in the woo-woo as I am, um, I was really looking forward to this because it, most humans have a, at least a latent psychic ability on some level that can be harnessed and trained and and utilized for things like intuition and potentially ESP or astral projection, things like that. And I really thought that this movie, whose namesake hinted that it might be about the harnessing of this latent psychic ability, which it mostly was, but I was looking for that specific incident. And they mentioned it for like 15 seconds, and they were like, F that. We don't care about that anymore. Moving on. And I was like... like, I'm good. I'm good. I was gonna say I hate to be that guy, uh, but you know, there's always one there. Um, I feel from after doing like after watching the movie and doing further research and seeing that this is actually uh, there is a book version of this, and then like comparing how the book was comparative to whatever, and Hollywood just went ahead and uh, did what Hollywood does and kind of like. best with it so they would add like things that they don't need to add like love interest or something else in like a a book that doesn't have love interest or like a centralized plot uh, for it so that things would stream together very nicely Uh, I could see that I feel like they could have gone a little deeper into uh, the stuff and having more of it because like I don't know. It just felt like it was kind of whitewashed. It, it was something like very heavily redacted, uh, and it could have gone a little bit further into like the the craziness. I, I definitely agree with you, Andrew, on that takeaway from it. One of the things that I was really missing from that movie was a lot more discussions on some of the the actual psychic tests that they did for some of these guys, because a lot of the movie, you know, it's supposed to be comical and it's supposed to be lighthearted, you know, at the same, but at the same time, there was a lot of feats and a lot of psych, like psychic abilities that many people had that came through the U S military that I thought that could have been showcased in this. And sometimes it came off as a joke. And even at times it was weird that they were describing stuff that like we teach people to do like even every day. Like I, there was a scene in the movie where George Clooney is talking about using sparkly eye technique. And he's like, we were taught to use sparkly eye technique. And he goes, here you go. I'm ready to do it. And then he just starts staring at the guy. And then he's talking about Mm -hmm. things like where he said, you can use like your voice to implant a thought in someone's head. Like you don't want to attack me. And I'm just sitting there like he's he's talking about this like this being a, a, a something that psychics were taught to do. But at the same time, this is stuff that I teach people at the psych hospital that I work at what to do. Yeah, this is just basic nonverbal communication combined with de-escalation skills. <laughs> like we people people are trained to do this. Yeah, like I train people to use their paraverbals and and how you present yourself to somebody to make them essentially not want to commit a hostile act against you. And like it seemed like they were trying to present that as like this is like the psychic thing, but this is just stuff people just do. I think this uh, this subject actually revealed Jeremy's uh, latent psychic ability because I've been bringing this subject up for probably two months now, and he's been ducking me like he owes me alimony. And the movie turned out to be terrible. 
So Jeremy called it. <laughs> <laughs> but even though the movie was was not my favorite movie, I did get a lot of really good research material, and I am dying to jump into Project Stargate. Yeah, yeah, let's with go you guys. For it. absolutely. What what part of Stargate Project really fascinated you the most, Jeremy? Like what what you said, like well. So I I do I do this thing on Infinite Rabbit Hole. I do this thing where I have a small script that I read, and then we discuss stuff that I talked about in the script, and it kind of progresses the conversation. Do you guys mind if I do that real quick? No, go for, go it. for it. All right. So I love it. I'm taking over talking with shadows, guys. All right. So what is Project Stargate? Good question. The answer is the code name given to the secret USA Army unit established by the DIA or the Defense Intelligence Agency in order to investigate the potential for a plethora of scientific phenomena in military applications. Project Stargate was most famous for was most famous for investigating the phenomenon known as remote viewing as a possible capability of the armed forces to be used in cases involving POWs, hidden bases, weapons, finding key personnel, and other intelligence gatherings. In 1970, the U.S. Re- the U.S. had reason to believe that the that Russia was spending roughly 60 million rubles, almost 800,000 USD at the time, annually on psychotronic research. Psychotronics is a term given to a conspiratorial theory that someone can apply electromagnetic radiation to transmit thoughts and sounds into someone's mind, affecting their decision making, affecting their decision making and physical actions. As a response to the idea that Russia was experimenting with psychotronics, the U.S. established testing a remote viewing program, codenaming the program Scanate or Scan by Coordinate. The center of the program was run out of a small building in Fort Meade in Maryland, and the official description of the building was one that was used for remote viewing operations, quoted. This program would go on to be used for 23 years, going by many different names along the way. Now, after that's pretty much what I have for it, but after that, I have two really awesome examples <laughs> of where... Project Stargate was successfully used. One of the things, what do you guys think? One of the things that I thought was really interesting, at least like what the movie tried to portray, was that like this magically started in the 1970s. Like the United States government just started deciding to do it then. When it the, the United States government had been doing stuff even before like Stargate, like in the movie, they try to say, oh, this all started because a guy jumped out of a helicopter and then he ends up getting shot and then he goes out on this like long quest. But the government had been investigating psychic stuff way before that, even since the 40s, like right after like World War II, the United States government and the Soviet Union had collected a ton of material that the Nazis had collected on occult practices, psychic tests, and uh, and uh, the use of uh, chemicals for like mind controlling effects, and I, I I thought that was kind of interesting. Like I guess in the movie they probably just can't say the phrase "this all started with the Nazis" because I don't think they probably would have sold as many tickets. I mean, to be <laughs> that's true. Okay. To, to be fair, um, 
governments around the world have been trying to utilize psychic ability in wartime since forever. Like if we if we look all the way back to even like the ancient Greeks and and pre that towards the days uh, when the the world religion was primarily shamanism, anytime they were going to go to war or march or anything like that, they would consult with oracles. They would do uh, protection rituals. They would do all kinds of stuff to really amp their warriors up and keep them safe in battle, and then try to look into the future. Uh, dream walking was very common among native americans and to this day uh even in indigenous tribes in other countries right now so we're we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years of uh even even uh primitive government bodies utilizing uh psychic abilities and metaphysics uh to assist them in wartime Oh, yeah. And if you want a specific example of it, um, Genghis Khan, <clears throat> like the pivotal battle that allowed him to rise to power was against um, it was him against a uh, Khan named Ankan and um, Jamuka. And before the battle, the spirit drummers would line up on each side and try to call the storm. And the storm was moving in along behind um, Ankan's armies. And it was this big thing where they felt that that meant the spirits are now marching with their army. But right before the lines clashed, there was a sudden change in the wind and it started flowing the opposite direction. And historians consider that to be like a major morale breaker that allowed um, Genghis Khan's smaller forces to gain the advantage against An Khan and basically steamrolled them, leading to An Khan's death. And without that victory, Genghis Khan would not be someone that history would have remembered. Hmm. Jeez. Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. I mean, something that the movie really, I think, left out was how, you know, shortly after the, the 1940s, you, you enter this, this Cold War where now the United States government and you have the Soviet Union both in this arms race for, with nuclear weapons. There, this, it was huge and important. Like information became very critically important about what your opponent was doing, like what the other countries were doing. And it really set off this new wave of how do we get information from our opponents? And, you know, like the whole movie really did a very, very good job at kicking up, like showing remote viewing in the 1970s as a good way of like trying to gain information and at the same time, like when you talk about like MK Ultra, which is another thing that comes that comes up too, which is the CIA's push. You know, they're trying to push using MK Ultra as a way to being able to gain information, of being able to control people's minds. That, that was the everything from like the 1950s up into the 1970s. Always felt like there was this this race between the the the, the regular military and intelligence agencies for trying to gain information on on the enemy. Yeah, one thing that you know people need to realize is that information is the most valuable currency when it comes to military st- strategies. Information determines everything. It determines your future. It determines your present. It determines the outcomes of wars, of battles, of even uh, um, government arguments, uh, political agendas. Information, information, information. So information became so important and i mean you know 
the the you know someone that doesn't necessarily delve into the world of psychics and remote viewing may look at this kind of stuff as a, as a waste of money. But when you're talking about military strategy, there is no waste of money when you could potentially have the leg up on the information or the intelligence that you're gathering from from your foes. Yeah, and I thought that that was interesting. The U.S., when they were trying to, like, master this psychic sort of warfare, they came, they stayed very focused generally on, like, information gathering and things like that. But a lot of the Russian programs are more about, like, can we just – can we stop their hearts? <laughs> like – can we, can we use these specific waves in order to cause problems like and, and cause diseases and confusions amongst our enemies? Like it was, it always felt like there was this more sinister motive that they did. So I, I want to get your guys' opinion on this. So with what you guys were seeing with, and, and I'll let you guys throw it out there for what you always want to talk about, MK Ultra, Project Stargate, like what did you guys find it effective? Like what were some of the most interesting stories that you guys found when investigating this topic? I found two particular stories or uh, circumstances where Project Stargate actually paid off and the uh, the U.S. either gained intelligence or um, or materials from uh, a Russian spy plane. So. Let's see. I'm sorry. Let me uh, let me bring it up here. OK, I mean, so too much suspense. I'm going to pop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, during the program's existence, there have been many failures for it to produce actual information. Uh, that was not the case for a young airman by the name of Rosemary Smith. Rosemary was given little information regarding an aircraft that was supposed to have crashed in Africa during the Cold War. The plane was a Soviet Tu-22 bomber outfitted as a spy plane and was very high on the list of importance for the CIA to find its whereabouts to recover top secret codes and equipment that the aircraft was known to have been carrying. After Rosemary was given her orders, she fell into a form of trance. And this was described by official documents, by the way, and stated very specific coordinates that she claimed was where the aircraft's debris can be found. The CIA took those coordinates and searched them by satellite imagery and found what could have been a slight opening in jungle canopy. They later on confirmed that her co her coordinates were within a mile of the exact location of the wreckage to add to this legitimate, to add to the legitimacy of this claim, president Jimmy Carter admitted to a multi multitude of media outlets that the CIA used a psychic without his knowledge and approval to find the wreckage. Another one that I found that was very, very interesting was that in September of 1979, the army used this program to spy on a Russian Navy base. The group of soldiers used this uh, used for this mission was referred to as detachment G. Although not as impressive as Rosemary's mission, in my, my opinion, uh, but still very interesting. Detachment G was able to identify a building to focus satellite systems on. The building was described by one of the men to be housing a metal piece of equipment with fins that look like a shark. This was later discovered to be a new nuclear ballistic missile submarine, later designated as a Typhoon-class submarine by NATO. The particular submarine that Detachment G found viewed was eventually revealed to be named Akula, by the USSR, which translate to the English word for shark. 
Hmm. Was that the one where when they first did the um, remote viewing on it and said that it was a submarine that everyone discounted because it was too far from the water? But then it turned out they just had like these ramps to kind of take it down there and they, they ended up being proven right in the end. Actually, I, I don't know. That could be. I, I remember reading about that somewhere, but I don't remember the name of the sub. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But Russia actually went on to build multiple submarines within that class. So, Andrew, I know that you talk about being a, like, you describe yourself as being a, a big skeptic when it comes mm-hmm. to all of these things. How, what was your opinion on Project Stargate or MKUltra or whatever the stuff that you looked into? What was your, what was your takeaway from it? Well, the, um, not so much this uh, skeptic part, but I, I did enjoy seeing a lot of the stuff that came out of the MK Ultra uh, from a more of a cultural uh, aspect, since uh, the a lot of the stuff wasn't really well known and kind of uh, pushed the stuff out to light of day, which then caused a lot of books or other things to be published about it. And uh, we can thank a lot of like. Um, films or uh, other things because of it. So uh, in 1960s, uh, right around when this stuff was happening, uh, because of this, they credit um, the Manjarian Candidate movie Mm -hmm. as being uh, one of the reasons why, because of all these different uh, things getting revealed about the MKUltra and uh, other plans that were... Uh, being brought from the out of the shadows uh, by the government and basically being uh, leaked or told about. Um, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And uh, it actually uh, had a huge effect on one of the guys. I've, I've been trying to find it, but one of the guys that actually did the LSD uh, and the acid or whatever, uh, part of the experiment, actually uh, went out and uh, got a lot of like bands. Um, and other artists uh, hooked onto it. And I, I think um, when I was talking to one of my coworkers, he was saying something about the, I believe the Beatles. Uh, they were introduced to acid by one of these people that were part of the MK ultra uh, thing. I'm not a hundred percent if that is true, but uh, I don't doubt um, it being affected by a artist. Uh, but I just interesting to see that like, if that is true, if that what is saying um, that we wouldn't have like yellow submarine or other things like that, because that's uh, was highly affected to their mood when they were on those drugs, right? So like the subset, like the subset of music and other things wouldn't be as deep as it is, and it's just it's okay, surprising to oh. yeah. Go ahead. I have a question for you guys. Do you guys think that these pro- uh, do you guys think these projects did truly end when they ended on the books, or do you think at that point they just took it underground and hid the funding better? It absolutely did not end. Yeah. I can, I mean, I, I don't know from experience or anything, but I can almost guarantee you that we're still funneling money into these systems, these programs. Okay, if, yeah, good. if it's not like me, that's exactly what I thought too. Yeah, if it's not LSD, it's something because like you see. What the, I don't know if it's a conspiracy theory or not, but how they introduced crack to like uh, low income areas, the FBI, uh, and like other things like that. So I wholeheartedly believe that uh, the government is still doing this type of stuff. 
Well, if we also if we also look at it, um, uh, the thing one of the things that I thought was the most interesting part of the MK Ultra was that uh, some of the most cruel experiments were done in Canada uh, without the Canadian government's um, knowledge, or at least they claimed not of knowledge of it uh, during the Montreal experiments. And MK Ultra ended in like the seventies. Uh, I think it was like 74, 75, which is weird because that's really when Gerald Gardner's Wicca really took off. And then we hit the the 90s with these massive smear campaigns against um, even before that, uh, too, uh, against uh, the whole um, metaphysical uh, community, especially if you look at like I think it was the 80s where we had the satanic panic. Um, Oh, yeah. And then even if you watch uh, popular shows from the early 2000, late 90s, early 2000s, such as like uh, Psych or even House, um, where they make references to Wicca and they portray them in these like really bizarre ways that like don't make sense. And, and they make them seem uh, like like outliers and outsiders and just weird people and you, people you don't want to deal with. And, you know, the the when they when you have things like that going across the board uh, during a time period especially after something like MK Ultra took place that's 100% a smear campaign uh to put things like psychic abilities or esoteric concepts uh out of people's minds redirect them away from it so they stop looking at it as a point of interest so that they can continue working on it quietly Oh, absolutely. One of the things that I that I thought was really interesting that the movie, The Minister of Goats, makes it look like the remote viewing program ends sometimes in the 70s, when it's not true, when it actually ends in the 90s. And, you know, like MK Ultra, you were talking about like, like an ending in the in the early 70s. And then like in the 1980s, what a lot of the remote viewers ended up doing was being used to locate drugs. <laughs> that was... That's where the war on drugs started. And, you know, everything within KLG was underground. And you were talking about, like, there's, there's this huge backlash against the, you know, the, many of the communities that use many of these substances. They used remote viewers to try to catch drug smugglers. It, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was one of the most wild things that I, I, I didn't realize that they used remote viewers to do was to try to spy on drug boats that were being smuggled into the United States. I mean, that's one of the cool things about remote viewing. It's kind of a tactical Swiss army knife. It's like you were saying earlier, intelligence only ever helps. If the intelligence is reliable, it's something that's useful in most any situation. Um, I did want to correct myself. I found the guy I was talking about because there's a, a few well-known people, but it was actually, it wasn't the Beatles. It was the um, Jerry Garcia and the Grateful Dead, which makes a whole lot more oh, yeah. sense. Yeah, uh, so the one of the guys was named uh, Robert Hunter, uh, that was part of the program, and like he brought the whole LSD psychic stuff to that group, which oh, Grateful Dead is definitely like I feel like that's hand in hand. Um, well, and there's a lot of research in like the whole you know like left brain right brain thing, and they I think they were finding that people that exhibited a lot of uh, psychic abilities tended to have been like this, like I think with the left brain, like the, the the artistic side of the brain that many people, like artists and stuff, tend to be right brain is right brain, artistic. Yeah, right brain. But they found that they were that there was that they were also dominant in their right brain too, and that all these people seem to be using many of these substances as a way to expand upon you know like that kind of thinking. 
Yeah. What's really bizarre is in the metaphysical community in itself, like I'm not going to tell you that those substances don't get used because that would be absolute nonsense. They 100% get used. Uh, but they're not really for things like astral projection and, and remote viewing and whatnot. Like when you're looking at things like ayahuasca, um, LSD and, and mushrooms and then things like that with these hallucinogenics, um, they're more for spiritual journeys of self-discovery where if you oh, wanted yeah. to do something like astral projection or remote viewing, um, uh, like remote viewing in itself, uh, you would use something like a black mirror and a candle and meditation. Um, and then maybe some oh, incense. Yeah. You really don't really end up using the, the hallucinogenics in those processes. One of the things that I found uh, when I was doing my research on this was I found that uh, looking at it, it was almost like when people started using these drugs, whether it was you know um, a gentleman named Butarg who was real big in the academic community with when it came to just psychic research in the in the fifties, you know all the way up into the seventies. And things like that, or when it came to like the CIA with like MK Ultra stuff, or you know the military when it came to you when they were trying to use amphetamines or you know or weed or whatever else they were trying to use. That's when they started using those. That's when things started to go badly for them. Like they started using some like a lot of these illegal like a lot of these substances, and they just their their lives fell apart. Like they you know there were numerous people that were in the program that ended up having like psychotic breaks and ended up like in part of it almost in getting it ending many of the people's careers. Like that scene with the when when Kevin Spacey uh, feeds that one uh, soldier uh, like it was LSD was what he felt. I think they directly said LSD, and then he has like a psychotic break where he was walking around naked and he's shooting yeah. a gun. Minus the gun part. That actually happened to a particular gentleman. It was like Major General, Major General Albert Stubblebine. I think that's how you pronounce his name or whatever. Like he, that was very prominent uh, in, in psy research during that time period. Like he he ended up driving a soldier to a psychotic break where he like ran around the base naked. Like that that stuff happened. Yeah. Like it, it often seemed like it, it wasn't really helping anybody. Yeah. Have you ever read any of the um, German documents on the what happened to their soldiers during the siege of Berlin when they had them like mainlining essentially meth nonstop to uh, kind of keep up with the defense. They started just dying. Oh yeah, yeah. They, it was it was pushing their bodies to literal yeah. breaking points. So a lot of them were doing some extremely erratic stuff. A lot of people contributed to doing um, more for the collapse of the of Berlin during the siege than anything on the defense side. Hmm. It has a lot to do, well, too, with, with not understanding the substances that you're putting people under. So, like, when it comes to hallucinogenic, um, you really, you, like, if, if you're going to drop acid or anything like that, you really need somebody there who's, like, a babysitter or if you're doing a spiritual experience, they're a guide. And pretty much that's, like, if your trip starts turning into a bad trip, they bring you back so you don't have a psychotic break. So, like, back in the day, I, I experimented uh, with something called salvia divinorum before it was made illegal. And I would tell you, you would see some intense, intense things. And if you go into a trip and you're in a bad mood, you're going to have a bad trip and you really need somebody to bring you back out of that. So you don't do things like fist fight your refrigerator and you will do stuff like that. Like without a joke, uh, you, you will do some wild, wild things in those yeah. states of mind. And was... if you, and they just don't they don't have those people they uh, and nowhere in that movie or in any of my research did I see that where they really had um anybody there guiding these individuals like they would go into these clubs and and drug people and just sit back and watch what happens 
or they would, you know, they would dose them during these experiments and then watch what happens, but they were never there to guide them through the process. And maybe that's because they didn't understand what these substances were truly doing to people, or maybe they didn't care uh, and they were just kind of lazy about the experiments, which would not shock me either, uh, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, CJ, I'd like to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question on this for for the stuff that you're talking about right there. So, you know, you're the you know you're the CIA, you're the military. You know, I, generally people that I think that are pretty good problem solvers, critical things. You know, got critical thinking skills. You know, you you know out there that there are people that use these substances and have been using these substances for a while. You know, responsibly or have been or know how to use these things. But, you know, when you look at the research with stuff like with MK Ultra, even with Stargate, it looked like that's not what happened. It looked like almost, it was like, it's like they didn't bring any of these people in. Why do you think that was the case? Do you think that's intentional? Do you think it's just neglectful? Like, what, what do you, where do you think the disconnect was there? Why, why, why is there a disconnect? I, I'm going to deflect this question to Jeremy and alter it to Jeremy. What does the military's funding look like? <laughs> well, to answer uh, his question, the the reason why they didn't bring in people that were using these drugs responsibly is because they were looking for people with fractured minds and fractured psyches. The, a lot of the places that they would get their victims from were from uh, universities, hospitals, and prisons. So you had a lot of uh, young people at universities that needed money and looked at these programs as a way to earn a, a a form of revenue and at the same time be able to do some pretty cool drugs. Um, and then you had prisoner uh, prisons where, you know, these people definitely didn't have uh, a choice at all. And hospitals where, you know, people were in uh, psychic or psych uh, psychological uh, therapies. And uh, I, I don't know the nut houses, I guess you can call them. Right. Um, I, I apologize if that's a incorrect term. Um, but basically you have these people that, that cannot say no. So you go in and you have somebody with a fragile psyche and you pump them full of drugs. They may be much, much more, uh, or less resilient against you. They're, they're much more willing to do this. Or, uh, they, I know that, uh, the, the whole MK ultra experiments were done, uh, just to, to get someone to become obedient. Um, so obedience was something that they were really looking for too. And I, I think that's why they didn't bring in people that were already used to taking the drugs or people that they thought were, um, that were going to be responsible with the drugs. They took, they specifically wanted those people that were not going to be responsible with the drugs. The ones that would have these bad trips, uh, because they felt like they could go in and control them more. I don't know. Did that answer your question at all? Oh, yeah, quite. Yeah. I would also think so that. So I think you guys um, have a pretty juicy topic for us for the Pillow Talk segment. Yes, and I'm, I'm really trying not to get into oh, it. Right uh, I think we're about <laughs> ready to move yeah. over to there. Oh, yeah. Thank God, because well, I was getting good. hard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I know that you, um, uh, So for people listening at home, I would love to know what you guys think about whether it's Project Stargate, MK Ultra. You know, let us know in the comments below what you guys think. What do you guys think about the program? Was there stuff that was done that was um, that was useful? Was it not useful? Was it all bunk? But, you know, I would love to let you guys uh, get your guys' opinion in the comments below on this. 
Um, if you guys listen to this episode, don't forget to like, share. If you're listening on YouTube, subscribe and hit that notification bell because subscriptions don't mean a whole lot. If you hit the notification bell, you can stay up to date whenever we post up a new episode. Uh, but one thing I want to do, guys, I want to thank you guys so much for oh, coming yeah, thank under you our guys program. So much for coming. Oh no, we appreciate having uh, you guys having us on. It's really a pleasure for Absolutely. us. Absolutely, thank you so much, TJ. Yeah, yeah. Andrew, thank you again, also too, for coming on the podcast. Yeah, pre- it's been a fun time. Yeah. Um, so, for those of you that are patrons, make sure that you guys stick around because we're going to keep these guys around. We're going to get a little bit more into some MK Ultra stuff that we were talking about uh, right before we started recording, which I can't wait to get to. Something about Project Midnight Sexy Time or something like that. Absolutely. <laughs> so I think it's pretty dark, and we got to get into some some dark stuff. So we had to save that for the Pillow Talk segment. But thank you guys for checking out this episode. But until next time, keep believing because we'll keep listening. All right, guys, we're going to slide into our Pillow Talk segment of the podcast. This part of the podcast is exclusive for our patrons. So if you'd like to check out the rest of this episode of the podcast with our awesome guests from the Infinite Rabbit Hole, all you got to do is go over to our patron and sign up for as little as a dollar a month. You guys get all of the extra portions of our podcasts as well as all of the bonus exclusive videos that we put up just for you guys. If you guys sign up for $2 a month, you guys get to vote in our poll where our patrons get to vote on the theme for all of the month. And right now we've got ghost towns, hairy humanoids, time and space anomalies. And what was the, what was the new one that we just added? It was something that you came up with that I thought was really good. Giants and Nephilim. That's what it was. And so if you guys want to vote on that, all you guys got to do is go over and vote and let your guys' voices be heard. Now, we're going to slide into some stuff. We're going to talk about some sexy stuff. You guys were talking about about Operation Sexy Climax. Which is probably what Vic calls his sexual escapades every night. Of course I do, (laughs) obviously. Like, I found so many of these like titles of these programs to be kind of like really bland and really boring. But that particular title was one that I, that I just found like that is like perfectly named. Now I know I've been playing around with a lot. The actual title is midnight climax. Correct. Yes. Good. Yeah, good. So far Tell us all yeah. about it. So for our listeners, please explain what operation uh, midnight climax is. All right. Me or you CJ. Oh, oh, you you, you got to do this. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I don't have the exact dates as to when this particular program was being done, but uh, Operation Midnight Climax refers to an operation from the CIA where they employed many prostitutes throughout the San Francisco and New York City areas and used them to lure unsuspecting men to CIA